0: This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best.
1: Hello, and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who's on this podcast and the other person who lives in this home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How high do you think squirrels can jump if they're very motivated?
0: Ooh, like from the ground? Y- sure. Um, a twenty-story building.
1: A twenty-story b- <laughs> that can leap over <laughs> medium-sized buildings in a single yep. bound if yes. they're really motivated. Yes. What do you think could motivate a squirrel to leap over a twenty-story building?
0: What's on the other side?
1: <laughs> An old vaudeville joke can motivate a squirrel to jump over a twenty-story building.
0: But but up, but up.
1: That's great. Uh, I meant to give the context that I'm no longer asking how are you because a pandemic full of how are yous was getting tired, so now I asked Sarah a random question at the top of the podcast. Uh, I say random, but it almost always has to do with squirrels or grass, so I, I, I need to work on this. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, it makes sense that I would be uh, mindful of nature, because that's actually what we're talking about this week. We're calling this episode Big Trees Adventure, uh, but what we mean by that is we finally were able to take a vacation that you planned for us uh, quite a while back. We went to Sequoia in Kings Canyon National Parks. So uh, I just want to start with definitions, right? (laughs)
0: Sure, of course.
1: So if aliens landed and wanted to know, okay, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, great. Those are a bunch of words. Uh, What does that mean? What are they? How would you describe these parks to aliens?
0: To aliens. Um, So they are, I mean, do I need to go into the whole national park? System? Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'll, just I'll a start. brief a brief overview yeah. of National Parks for Aliens. Sure. I so, can role play
1: the alien if you need me to.
0: <laughs> I mean, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> so this is some land that was set aside by the federal government to be protected in its natural state. And it's in uh, a mountain range that we call the Sierra Nevada Mountains in the state we call California. (laughs) And
1: so I just, I'm going to pause for a second. This is great. (laughs) But I love that explaining this to aliens uh, just involves adding the place we call. (laughs) That's (laughs) the main distinction between explaining it to an alien and a child.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's great. And Um, then there are trees which grow out of the ground.
1: Of what we call the ground, yes. <laughs> I
0: was trying to explain what trees were. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: you're doing a great job explaining. So mountains. Mountains. Trees growing out of the mountains.
0: Yeah. And in this particular area, there are a certain type of tree that were realized to be very special and <laughs> not able to grow in many places in the world. And so it was decided to do something to try to protect them and save them. Uh, so that is um, a few different versions of what happened there, but ultimately led to Sequoia National Park becoming the second national park in 1890. And then uh, there was another national park, confusingly, that is now part of Kings Canyon National Park um, because there was uh Grant Grove National Park, I okay. is what it was called, but now it um, is part of Kings Canyon National Park. And uh, yeah, so I would say... Here's the deal, aliens. I've given you some vocabulary words. (laughs) Do you know what a tree looks like? And if not, we would go stand outside, depending on where we were, and be like, here's a tree. Now imagine one that's really big and really tall and red. uh, And that's a sequoia. And that's what you see there.
1: And then I think aliens would squabble over the difference between red and orange because who knows how their eyes process color.
0: Very true. I, I foresee this as like a weeks-long project.
1: <laughs> At some point, it would probably be easier to just take the aliens to Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would want to do just a little bit of um, like prep work confirming, or do these aliens eat trees? Uh, because if they're like, ooh, food, then I should not take them to the national parks. And, um, you know, so after a little bit of prep work, then yes, I think maybe just be like, here's a little bit of background. Now let's go do some exploring.
1: Okay, I think that's great. And what is really fun about this process is sometimes I ask uh, you, or back when I had more guests, to uh, explain it to just, sometimes I ask, just explain it. And sometimes I try to add the flavor of... uh, explain it like you're talking to aliens. And sometimes uh, that helps people and sometimes it hangs them up. (laughs) But what I really liked about this is uh, I basically, besides the fact that I had more of the vocabulary, I was aware of the state of California. I know what a tree looks like. But besides that, I was basically the alien of I knew sequoias. Yeah, those are big trees. Oh, yeah, I know what a national park is. Uh, but, But then I do sometimes go like, oh, wait, but that's different than a state park. Or a national forest. Great. Got it. Um, but I basically knew next to nothing when you planned this trip for us. So uh, I'm kind of like, get to uh, pull off the mask and like, I was the alien the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and do you feel like I explained it to you, my alien friend? Yeah,
1: kind of. Uh, as much as I needed, this is what yeah. was great about this trip for me. Is uh, we both know knew that we needed to get uh, out of town at some point, as the uh, the first phase of the pandemic was wrapping up, and we are going to be vaccinated, and we we're going to be able to travel more. And we still mm-hmm. wanted to be able to go somewhere where the virus wasn't a huge concern. So, <laughs> a very outside place like a national park, fairly spacious, mm-hmm. seemed wise, uh, and then. You were like the place where there are big trees. It's not where they filmed uh, Endor and Return of the Jedi, but kind of like that. And I was like, great. That's all I need. <laughs> I want to go see the big trees. I want to go have peace. But it was really nice because uh, I obviously trust you. I didn't I really didn't know anything else. And I, there was a ton that I was truly, truly surprised by. And it was a really fun process because sometimes when you plan a vacation, you really want to look ahead. You really want to do the research. And I really just wanted to get there and be surprised. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll get into that. But I wanted to ask you about planning this trip for us. Uh, what made you pick these parks? When we were looking for somewhere to go that was, boy, we need a break. We probably need to reconnect to some nature. What made you pick this place for us?
0: Yeah. So I think um, I had been thinking about wanting to go see um, – uh, the kind of general redwood sequoias for a while. I had been looking at some of the national parks that are in California because I had realized that there were way more than I originally realized, um, national parks in California. And mm. just was like, oh well I'm intrigued by this. But then um in doing some of that, I I realized how how close um Sequoia is to us and went, wait a second, we can we can do this because I think I just had always in my mind kind of combined Sequoia National Park with the redwoods that are north of San Francisco, um, and just for clarity, they are they are different. These are two different locations. Yes. Um, and so so that absolutely caught my attention, and I so that it was just like okay, well this is manageable, this is doable if we only have a few days that we can take off. Also, I think around that time was like you should really stay within you know kind of your whatever number of miles and oh for pandemic concerns concerns, yeah yeah. and so it it felt um reasonable to be nearby um but first and foremost big trees i had (laughs) i had a big need to see some big trees and uh so that was um that was absolutely just like the like well this sounds fun and then i just got very excited about it
1: Totally, totally understandable. You had also been expressing for, I want to say, about a decade a need to go somewhere without light pollution where you could see stars. And that's what I was really excited about. And that's what I knew of. Like, there'll be big trees. Uh, I don't think there's like, you know, a stadium with floodlights in the middle of the national park. So we can probably see stars. Spoiler, we saw trees. We saw stars. The big thing that I didn't know. <laughs> in my uh, pretending I was an alien is I did not understand that we would be staying on a mountain at 7,000 <laughs> feet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a fun discovery. That was really, really great. Because you had mentioned something kind of like on the way there, I think. And I was like, wait, is this? I thought there were be like mountains in the background, but we're going to be like in mountains? I thought we we're going to see big trees.
0: <laughs> That's so fun. And it just hadn't occurred to me. And what a fun thing to think that you're like, okay, well we're gonna go to like it's fields and then suddenly it's big forest. Well
1: i think when I I I don't know where this comes from, but I think when I think of the woods, so much of what I process about the world is pop culture. Good, bad or otherwise, it's true, right? Mm-hmm. And like a forest to me is like this thing that you venture into and it is about this uh you are outside of the uh the the darkness or the um, being surrounded, and you are entering into that. And it, to me, just in my mind, it's like a, you walk forward, <laughs> you're in the forest. It's not a, you go up the mountain, and you're in the forest, you know? Right. Which is just a weird, dumb hang-up that I have now been very much relieved of from this experience <laughs> in a great way.
0: At least for this forest.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, we'll, we're going to discuss all the, the details of some of the things that we got to see and we got to experience. Uh, but the big headline is we got to see and experience nature. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about that. People often say it's good to reconnect with nature. It's one of those truths that people say to one another. And then we go, yep, yep, yep. Uh, but. I want to dig past the yep 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 <laughs> and ask you for yourself why do you think it actually is good to reconnect with nature what do you get out
0: of it mm, yeah well yep 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 first yep, just yep, yep. To, to get that out of the <laughs> way um yeah i think for me it is it is um it's about it, for one thing honestly it just calms me um in Ways that I can both feel and also ways that after a little bit of time spent in nature, I'm like, oh, look at that. Like everything's just calmer and I can think and I kind of like it's just I feel like all of my systems work better, whether they're systems I'm aware of or systems I'm not aware of that are like just inside my body. (laughs) Um, But I just feel like everything works. My spleen
1: is on fire in (laughs) nature. Like my right.
0: My uh, mitochondrial, like <laughs> basically, I become a Jedi when I go to the forest.
1: Well, ye- thank you for making that a connection before I did. <laughs> um, when you say you can think better, tell me what that feels like.
0: Yeah, so I think that it's a few things for me. I feel like um, one, it's just the the distraction. There's not the all of the like swirling busyness of of everyday city life whether you live in a city or not but just kind of the the distraction of everything in life um and i i just feel like for me there is some some sense of rhythm like i kind of um you know i was saying like i calm down but it's it's kind of like everything um i just feel more in tune with everything else that's going on and my brain can both just take everything in without thinking a lot of times i find i'm not actually thinking at all which is kind of a nice break (laughs) and uh but also sometimes i feel like um you know maybe the oxygen or the the trees and all of that around me just does help my brain feel like i can just um quiet some of the noise
1: yeah quieting some of the noise makes sense and the image i thought of when you were talking about fewer distractions is like if a thought is a car and our day-to-day lives, uh, there is road construction and uh, sudden accidents and people making weird turns in front of you and tons of red lights, and you try to keep moving forward anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you're talking about is it's it's just all green lights and you just flow along. Your thought just flows along down the street.
0: Yeah, that's a great great analogy.
1: When you so part of the reason that I want to poke at it is because for me the thought process is so about creativity it's so about i want to be able to have a flowing creative experience of like i'm i have this question about a specific story that i'm thinking about and so i'm trying to figure that out what kind of thoughts do you feel are flowing down the street all green lights when you're in nature
0: oh i mean it's it's such a variety it is it can be just kind of thinking about things in life it can be truly just thinking about the nature that i'm seeing and thinking about um what things are like now what things have been like in the past it can be about if there's a topic that i'm you know kind of thinking about um it can be flowing about that or like i said it can kind of be just uh flowing about nothing in particular
1: okay just flowing from one idea to the next with nothing to interrupt them
0: Mm -hmm. nice
1: that is great yeah i think for me uh again kind of processing everything through pop culture i think sometimes i make jokes about that because sometimes it is silly of, like, uh sometimes when I go to, a, like, a truly beautiful place, the places we've got to go in Europe, I'll just be like, D- James Bond would have a fight here, and <laughs> that's sort of, like, uh, it's a little bit of a cheap version of seeing everything through, through pop culture uh, up to a point, but then I think the stories that mean the most to me, it's because they get to something very, very important, and because I wasn't in nature a lot, I wasn't able to experience it, but I, when I really dig down and try to find words for, you know, Why did, uh, in particular, say Star Wars and Twin Peaks, why did they captivate me? Mm -hmm. And when I try to dig down and find the words, I think it is so much that they have uh, in their storytelling this idea of something more. And if you quiet your mind, you can kind of connect to this feeling of something more. Uh, And that is, you know, in Star Wars, it's obviously the Force in especially the original Twin Peaks, it's. Uh, Cooper being open to the idea that the world is deeper and more complex and multi-layered, And, you know, there's even a great scene in season two, uh, the malign season two of Twin Peaks, where uh, Cooper is trying to kind of get n- not get all caught up in like. The rules and the kind of the machinery of human culture and he tells an fbi investigator who's telling him to like follow all these red tape rules he's like i'm playing a different game and the guy's like what are you talking about and cooper's like i'm investigating the the mysteries of the why the wind sounds like that through the trees like i'm really paraphrasing and the investigator's like "What the hell are you talking about <laughs> uh and for me when i go into nature it's sort of like that um feeling that I kind of had this intuition was true and that made me respond to these bits of storytelling. Like I get to feel that and Mm -hmm. it's, it's very hard to put words to it, but it is just um, it is the sense of calm. It is a sort of just like the, the sense of, of rhythm that it's beautiful and peaceful, but you also know like just there's worlds upon worlds going on all around you that you can kind of see, kind of here but not really but it's all there in the nature of like of the process of which trees are surviving and why of you hear like a little scuttle under the leaves and you know that there's a, a another being going through its whole different ecosystem and a whole different life and just that kind of reminder that the whole world isn't your little sort of a box of concerns that you're normally in but it's it's, it's much larger mm-hmm. and uh very 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 varied <laughs> uh and we are still all a part of that
0: yeah I love that that idea of getting a glimpse of the worlds upon worlds that are within there and I think that's so true because you you do have that um it's in your face like no matter how much you think about it on a regular basis you know for my myself I like to think that sometimes I think about these things but you you can't help but have it in your face and in a good way of Whether it's like, oh, I don't want to step on this ant because they're just going about their very daily life. (laughs) To, um, you know, when we were in Sokoi, there's a lot of um, talk and signage about bears. A lot. A lot. And really trying to um, just remind people like, this is the bear's home. You're in the bear's home, as one of the signs said. They have to go about making their living and finding food <laughs> that's right. They have to go
1: about making their living, which just cracked me up like the bears are doing postmates,
0: right? <laughs> but we don't want to be in their highway um you know, their postmates' highway and so but it was such a, a um just a really great mind of like how uh using using your world, your word of how all the worlds like how all the circles um Overlap and it's like almost like a giant Venn diagram of you know just beautiful different overlapping circles, and uh, you kind of have your path going through them. But that circle is still their entire circle, except when other circles, um, intrude or just kind of overlap.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there can be some natural overlap and Absolutely. then some like unnatural overlap. Mm-hmm. I loved all the signs that said, uh, "Please be bear aware." And we went to one picnic ground where, Which clearly uh, It was in the lower part of the park And was clearly very very bear heavy Uh, And it had all this signage That was extremely explicit Because literally on the picnic benches Of do not Let your food uh, be more than arm's length Away from you ever Mm -hmm. And do not let a bear get your food Get Mm -hmm. up and take it Because once the bears get human foods They just go bonkers for it and like for me, there is like I think it, I connect it to wait why nature is good for me of like human societies we've constructed it, it it all makes sense it's great but we can get so caught up in it right mm-hmm. uh, that the things that we kind of decide are right and normal uh, are rules laws traditions that we make up as societies sometimes for good reasons sometimes we just get used to something because. Capitalism has trained us to get used to that in a certain way, you know. But we are surrounded by all of these like uh, rules and 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 ways that things should be, and they consume consume us. And mm-hmm. sometimes we need a break from that to reconnect with like. There's a whole other world that we're also a part of this natural system that reminds us that you know we aren't just mental organisms. We're also soulful organisms that you can really sense things on deep levels. In the idea that a bear eats one Twinkie. And the bear is immediately sort of like as <laughs> obsessed with human structure and human society. Like one bite of a Twinkie, and that bear is done. And the bear is like, I, I, I live now for human food. Is just it's it's darkly funny to me because it, I think it is a little bit of that connection between needing a break from the very rigid human society to the more natural flowing society.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. The bear eats Twinkie, and next thing they want to watch pop culture too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the bear eats one Twinkies, and then the bear's suddenly ranking MCU movies. (laughs) That's it. One and done. Uh, So we did see lots of big trees, the sequoias in particular. What was the power of the big trees for you?
0: Oh my gosh. Even more than I could have imagined. Um, I was so excited. And also... Um, no not worried, but I think there was a little bit of um, I think I was trying to uh kind of undercut my own expectations right because I was so looking forward to just being out in nature. so so looking forward to seeing big trees, but knew that a lot of this was really about just getting out of town, spending some time in nature. I had fully prepped myself for um, the stars that, like, it might be cloudy the entire time we're there. We might never see a star. So that was...
1: You had lowered your star expectations.
0: They were so low. I did not really expect to see stars. Um, There also are so many fires right now in California. um, I was not sure how smoky it would be. Right. So I was trying to lower my expectations for that as well. um, And not sure if things would suddenly be closed or affected by that. And... um, as we were driving there, and we saw the first ones that we recognized, at least as sequoias, like my heart just skipped a beat. Wow, truly, of just like sequoia sighting because we, they were kind of off to the off to the side of the road. Obviously, not in the middle of the road. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have been fine. They have every right to be there.
0: They do, they do. But it helped our drive. <laughs> um, you were driving, which was very kind of you. And I was just like, sweetie, look, sequoia, sequoia sighting, and then we didn't see any for a little bit and so I was like okay well i've seen a few so that like it's good it's good success like my mission is successful
1: <laughs> like we could have turned around then
0: uh, it would have mean, been no, as good no. but but i would have but it it had that feeling of like okay this is this is good this is um i don't have to like, keep undercutting my expectations because right. i've kind of already met my expectations so now everything is just surpassing my expectations and holy cow were they surpassed yeah uh with uh the the trees the number of trees seen these big groves of trees learning so much about the trees that uh, i don't think either of us had any clue about and just um you know the sheer sheer size of them the they're they're massive trees and just being around them and having something that amazing and impressive and at the same time learning about the ways that it's able to live for so long and then also the ways that it's very fragile it just was um just amazing
1: yeah yeah I think I had this great experience with the forest in general but the sequoias as we were winding up like once we had got on the road or maybe it was the day before where you're like you know we we should get ready for the altitude it's like what are you talking about it's a forest (laughs) just being a total (laughs) total idiot uh but then winding up that mountain, once we got into the, to close to the national park, and then inside the national park, it was just like we are in dense uh, trees. Then we round a corner, and there's a massive vista that we could easily drive our car off of, but we didn't. Hooray! Yay! Uh, and then seeing the sequoias, and just I think the first couple sequoias I saw, I did again have that weird uh, tension of like. Uh, process that this is the reality, and it came first because I saw them, and I'm just like, I'm in a WPA era postcard. That's because <laughs> exactly some some of that stuff is so stylized. But the sequoias in particular, that sort of a uh, auburn red orange bark that has the, that's really uh, you know, got these interesting forms to it, and the light just hits one side, and it casts all these beautiful shadows. And normally when you see artwork like that, particularly in that WPA era, it's like, oh, that's very stylized with those big, chunky lines and those big, chunky shadows to give things sort of shape and form. Like, that's barely stylized. That's what they actually look like (laughs) in reality was this great mind-bending experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I think for me, once we got settled in, the first thing we did is uh, went to see uh, the General Sherman tree, you know, the biggest tree in the world by volume is <laughs> they very clear about that it has a more wood in its trunk than any other tree. Mm-hmm. Which is very funny. A lot of the interpretive panels were phrased in a very, very funny way. They were. And I think I kinda almost had that opposite where I I had been telling a couple of people that were going to Sequoia and people were like, you are just gonna be blown away by the size of the trees. And then I think I, want, I so wanted to have this sort of like next level experience that I almost got a little neurotic about it mm. when we first saw General Sherman. Mm-hmm. And then it was when we started to learn more about the trees. And I'm sure there are people listening are like, yes, I learned this in third grade. Uh, but just the short version of it that uh, the sequoias need fire to survive, that they can take a lot of burning. Um, and then it, it fire that opens up their pine cones and allows them to uh, create future sequoias, um, which is a concept I'd heard of, of like trees that need fire and that sort of uh, <laughs> a light, dark uh, life, death, uh, you know, conflict that begets a uh, new, begets new life, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But to just see it. And I, the thing I knew nothing about is uh, that the sequoias have that, that, you know, sort of outer layer of bark that there's more air inside and the fire burns it. And then the, fire gets put out basically by the sequoia itself and it leaves them with those, these big fire scars, which is big hooded dark masses. And it's just, you know, I think coming from a pop culture perspective, coming from a writerly perspective, it is so like these trees are, they just love metaphors. They're just big metaphors (laughs) for lots of different things. But seeing that again, again, I, I would think of the metaphor first, but this is the reality that gave birth to the metaphor. And I get to see the reality, right? Uh, and it's aesthetically beautiful and it's moving that you can go from one side and like, here's this, you know, bright Titan. You know, with this great contrast to the blue sky that looks like it's been there for thousands of years. Nothing can touch it. And then you walk around the other side and it's just got like this huge huge scar that's like yeah look what I've been through <laughs> uh, there, there was just so much about that sort of that story and that mood in each sequoia's different fire scars mm. that the size of them definitely did affect me but I had gotten in my own head about like how much I wanted to be affected by the size that it was kind of like the narrative and the truth mm. of the trees in this different aesthetic that ended up really affecting me
0: yeah that's fascinating
1: yeah so um, any other effects of the big trees, or shall we move on to some other things that we saw?
0: Um, let's move on. I'm sure other effects will come out.
1: Okay. Okay. So uh, we were already on a mountain, but then we did take a hike up to a place uh, called Sunset Rock, which is... Uh, that was another thing that I didn't know, is that we were going to see uh, big trees and big stars. I knew. Uh, we were on mountains. Cool. Uh, I didn't realize there would be huge boulders everywhere and that the boulders and the trees would have melded together in beautiful ways. Uh, But we went up to this huge dome of of rocks called uh, Sunset Rock Mm -hmm. that just opened to this huge vista of uh, trees or mountains covered in trees. Uh, And it was really, really beautiful. I wanted to ask you about that because I think that was one of the uh, experiences that impacted us both. Because it's one Mm. of those things that... like. We read, of like, okay, well, this is near one of the other trails we want to do, and it's listed as not that difficult of a trail. I think it was, like, what, a mile and a half, allegedly. Mm -hmm. And, like, go to Sunset Rock, and it's a really good place to get a view. Like, it's one thing to read that. It's another thing to be, like, I thought it was maybe, like, one rock. But this is, like, what, like, huge? uh, You described it as being, like, on the moon, because it was rocks so big, so many of them, that you felt like you were walking, walking on, like, dunes or like frozen waves of energy that were rocks, right? Mm.
0: Yeah, so it's um yeah, it absolutely not what I pictured either. I pictured like a little rocky outcropping, but it is this big mound of granite and uh I believe uh, from one of the interpretive panels I read elsewhere in the park. Uh but it's it's not it's it's not even like it is rocks plural. It's like it's just a giant mound that's Melded together, forged together from you know the forces within, and within the earth. And there, I mean, there were multiple rocks, but like I absolutely to me felt like this is the closest I will ever get to being on the moon. And I I realized that in photos of the moon because I haven't been on the moon. Spoiler, (laughs) Um, yet, yes, yet. Uh, that there is some sort of moon dust. So there wasn't dusty, but just that feeling. It just felt um, not of this world. Yeah, exactly. Which is funny because it is so very much of the earth. Like it is literally coming out of the earth's crust, but it felt unlike anything else that I'd ever been on. And it was so big and had that kind of um, like whitish grayish tint to it. And And amazing vistas over these mountains. Which
1: also did not look real to me because it had that sort of like beautiful haze Mm -hmm. of this one's a little closer, that one's farther away. And again, it's just like, I have seen this in movies and on posters, but that's real.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we were just like, we were walking along doing the walk and not entirely sure, kind of... I kind of assumed like, okay, this will probably be obvious when we get there, but we're not sure. We're not sure how... Long we were going, it was a trail that was marked, which was great. But as we were getting close, we did pass two other hikers who were like, Hey, you know, it's just like another five minutes or so. We're like, oh, cool, which was really nice. Yeah. And then, you know, but we're in the middle of forest, and so there's trees everywhere, a few rock, small outcroppings like we've been seeing throughout the mountains. And then to suddenly see the clearing because it is just rock and this big, massive rock, and then it just keeps going and going. It did just feel like um, like we had stumbled across a portal into a different planet.
1: It really was. I I think this is amazing that I'm making the discovery of how much I can't process reality without talking about uh, the ways that we as humans have creatively perceived reality. The emotion to (laughs) me was as we walked into this, because it was like, yeah, we had passed like a tiny clearing of maybe like three feet and it was a and there was a rock there, like a you know, four foot boulder or whatever. I was like, is that it? And you're like, I don't think so. (laughs) And then we saw this massive vista. And as we, you know, cleared the trees and saw that we were stepping into what felt like a different world, to me, that was the moment like, okay, the the camera now like pans up in there and the music explodes as the characters walk into this new vista, this new world that they've been trekking to find that they weren't even sure they were going to find. Like it totally felt like that kind of moment to Mm -hmm. me. Uh, I think the other thing about it was this got replicated a a few times, but this was the first time of like um, there was no one else there yeah, on Sunset Rock. And we we had passed the the people who had coming by. We spent at least an hour up there, Mm -hmm. at least. And like one other person kind of poked their heads up and then and then turned around pretty quickly or disappeared. So I don't know. Maybe it was a. (laughs) a magician, Uh, but we were alone on this just like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of what felt like alien land looking out at this Vista, taking photos, doing weird photo shoots. (laughs) At one point I decided I really want to connect with nature and I was not near the edge, but I just, you know, laid down on the rock and closed my eyes and counted to 60 for just kind of like to prove that I could, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And I think, uh, this is another contrast to our day to day lives, particularly living in cities. Any place that is incredibly beautiful, you're generally going to have company, or you have to get reservations, or you have to line up, or it's kind of beautiful. But like, even when we saw General Sherman, uh, the mm-hmm. biggest tree, 2000 years old, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It affected me. But then I was also affected by the fact that there was, you know, like, the, I'm looking at a 2000 year old tree. And uh right next to me, sign is a teenager with a Rick and Morty shirt who is unimpressed by the two thousand year old tree. And like <laughs> you you know, that like that bit of like the way uh human society is always there. Mm-hmm. And to be up on this rock is like there is no human society, there is just a vista, and I can in relative safety close my eyes outside
0: mm-hmm.
1: for and count to sixty and you know uh, I was not robbed. <laughs> no one took my place. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I didn't get hit by a car.
0: No one said you're experiencing this the wrong way.
1: No one said, what are you doing? Are you OK? Like, can you imagine just stopping in the middle of a Starbucks and going, this is beautiful. I'm going to close my eyes for 60 seconds. <laughs> right.
0: Believe me, there's plenty of places that I want to just sit down or lay down and close my eyes. But um...
1: I always want to yeah. lay down and close my eyes. But this was a pretty <laughs> great place to do it. So, yeah. Uh, any other uh, effects or thoughts from Sunset Rock?
0: Um, I'm so glad that you brought up the laying the laying down because there was just that we were sitting on the rock for a while and just that feeling of like when I was sitting there and just had my feet, or not my feet, my feet were in shoes, my hands, those are the other extremities, <laughs> <laughs> just on the rock was just, it kind of, it was one of those weird like just feelings of peace mm. and I think, with everything that you're saying of we'd been by that point had been up there for a while and uh this amazing vista not having other people around it, having a little bit of the sun beating down on us, so it was maybe a little bit of the effect of that as well um,
1: we were delirious yes
0: <laughs> a little, maybe a little no no, we were good, we were good, we were drinking water, um getting used to the altitude, but it was just um it was just it just kind of felt like next level from what we had been in and, and so far you know we had been on a little bit more um, prescribed trails like you said going on the general sherman seeing general sherman going on that trail which was much more crowded
1: and paved and
0: yeah yeah and i just truly hadn't you know in terms of expectations i had no idea what to expect in terms of seeing people around or not and figured like oh yeah well i mean it's a national park. It's still, you know, August. There's going to be people around, of course. And, uh, you know, like people at General Sherman, that was great. But to have this experience of this amazing rock, which is not a hard climb. It's I think there's a few others that are maybe more promoted, but was very um, a lovely walk, slightly up a hill. Yeah. Um, very
1: close to other accessible and frequented trails so like not off the beaten path
0: yeah yeah and to be able to have this kind of an experience bookmarked by seeing people both on our way up and on our way down but other than the one person that we saw up there really not seeing other people up there was just um surreal and magical and um words that i can't think of right now but it just was uh it It's really one of the things that I've taken away with me from our trip the most.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I found a weird stick up there. Yes, you did. And other people had (laughs) been clearly drawing in the sand. So I had some fun drawing in the sand. It's just so it is nice to connect to just being creative and playful in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of that. We also saw those stars that you were very excited for. We sure did. Uh, we went out in, from our little uh, sort of lodge hotel, um, and the stars were very clear because it was very dark. Uh, there are some lights around the lodge, but then, nope. Uh, in it, uh, the first step I had away from our lodge when we first went out there, it felt to me like you were not supposed to go into that level of darkness. Uh, clearly it's 3 a.m. in the morning and it was, I think, you know, like 842 p.m. and darkness had fallen hard. Uh, and there were all those faraway suns in the sky. What was the impact of you to finally get this desire fulfilled to to truly see some stars?
0: It, it was amazing. It was, um, you know, it's one of the, like, it was, it felt surreal because I have been having, as you know, because I talk about it a lot, this, uh, yearning to see stars for for so many years as you mentioned and so then to be there and be like oh wait no those are stars this isn't a picture of stars you're not in a planetarium looking (laughs) at fake stars you're not looking at a poster this is real uh like i kind of had to give my brain time to process Mm -hmm. that that was almost the most like that was kind of shocking to me i didn't expect that to have to process being that this was actually a real experience yeah um And but I did. But then spending some time out there, we went out there um, multiple nights and stepped a little bit further away from the light and just there's a bench nearby so we could sit and and actually see the Milky Way. And just that feeling of uh, there are a few things that you and I talked about throughout the from getting ready to go on the trip throughout the trip that um, we both had moments where it was like, this just feels like you've got that childlike energy. Yeah. And seeing the stars was one of those for me, specifically because we could see the milkiness of the Milky Way.
1: That was the big one for me when we were both like, look, look at the Milky. You can see the Milky.
0: <laughs> right? And it was just, it's was it been so long, uh, even in places that are semi-dark, to actually be able to see the Milky of the Milky Way and to just be standing there in this amazing place and get to see the um, the stars was just uh Next level.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna just continue to be honest about my perceptions being uh, all processed through pop culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so from a very young age, I, you know, I lived in in smaller towns when I was first born uh, and, and moved around a lot. So I've definitely seen stars. I've definitely seen the Milky Way, but it has been years and years and years. And uh, I see stars in uh, movies and television shows. And in particular, a thing that I just often think about is there's the obviously there's the film star wars <laughs> <laughs> with stars but star trek 2 and you mm-hmm. know uh, even on the show is on next generation deep space 9 uh the clone wars animated series uh comes out and like wow art design wise they went really crazy with the just the the depth of the star field of like it, there's there are just it, there are so many stars like more mm-hmm. than kind of from when I was growing up and like movies were like in the eighties, like this is the star field. This is about how dense it is. Mm -hmm. In Clone Wars is like, it's, it's got this depth of there are stars that are clearly closer. And then these tiny, almost imperceptible. Like you, you you almost can't even perceive them, but you know, within the darkness, it's not like here is a dark sheet. And then there are 15 points of light. It's there's these deep, very, very far away. There's tiny little clusters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I' was always like that's an interesting creative choice to really, in contrast to the films deep in the star field. yeah. and the, and I was just like, oh, I looked up and it was like Clone Wars is right <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it was it, that was the a little bit of the power of it to me of not not only being able to see the sort of the mist, the milk of the Milky Way, but seeing like uh, stars that you know obviously are known constellations or seem brighter and then ones that seem kind of far away and then seem like feel like, okay. I can't quite perceive stars, but my eyes can perceive that that's not just blackness back there. It is speckled with tiny lights that I can can't even really concentrate on one. But there are even more stars even farther away, you know. Mm-hmm. And like we've been to Griffith Observatory and a ton and they have their their wall where they took the amazing photo, uh, like biggest, highest definition photo of whatever time they did it record. Like so this is something that intellectually I know. But it was so different to just experience it. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, wasn't it? I had that in particular one night. We brought our binoculars with us, and I am not a skilled binoculars user. Uh, I read the thing, and everyone, and I can see them. But I, you know, like it blinks and looks black and all that. But I was like, I don't care. I'm going to try. And I, when I was looking out at the stars, could then start to see fuzziness that had light to it and and really get a chance to see some of that was really um affecting to me as well
1: yeah i think there's also like we had been so focused on big trees and we kept saying big trees and we joked between ourselves like when we we're leaving our apartment of like it, uh, mission big trees go uh and then i was amused when we got to the park and realized like they use that term like we walked on big tree trail <laughs> and there's a sign that says big trees this way mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's so much focus on big trees so then to be sitting where we were and see uh some of these you know very large trees and it looks like they are reaching to the to the stars and then you're like nice try big trees you're nowhere near that it's like these kind of these levels of um of uh I, sometimes i joke about you know, when people are like, connect with nature, it'll put you in your place. And like, you mean make me feel really small and insignificant? <laughs> I already feel that way. Uh, but this was really like that, this, I think that idea of something more of the scale, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it puts things in perspective in a good way, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Of
1: these trees are in, within their own ecosystem and they are so much larger than you can imagine. And then we, and then there were, that's all just on this tiny, little rock and there's this whole cosmos out there is it was really great to see that sort of uh, these uh, conversations between scale.
0: Yeah absolutely and I hadn't really thought about this until now when you're talking about the scale but one of the things that came up um, repeatedly with the trees was you know sequoias can be quite old. General Sherman they estimate to be around 2,000 years old and so Talk thinking about that and you know, with us or the ranger who gave a, a great spiel about the tree, but then thinking about like, okay, so to us, 2000 years is kind of more than we can truly imagine one organism being in one place, but then to all these stars, they're like, Puh, 2000 years. Come on, bring it on. You know, and just like to think what about... baby, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's not, it's that sense of scale for size, but it's also that same sense of scale for time.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the Ranger did a great job of putting that in context of mm-hmm. like, the, these humans have only been screwing around General Sherman for a very short amount of time, <laughs> from <laughs> General Sherman's uh, perspective. Um, yeah. I want to segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, using bats yeah so uh when we were outside looking at the stars when, when we got over to the bench which was in full darkness which initially i was i was concerned about because just natural instincts uh of like if there was another person you know from the the lodge or the hotel walking by we, we wouldn't know until they were on our laps practically mm-hmm. and that was just like as somebody who has you know grown up a, a lot in urban environments of like you want to be aware of your environment at all time and uh, it's a lot to accept like you can't be it's just darkness over there
0: <laughs>
1: uh and also just with all the please be aware of bears i just kind of kept expecting a bear to like walk up and ask for my lunch money um <laughs> but when we walked a little closer to the lodge uh we were clearly in bat insect uh postmates area <laughs> so we, we, we stood in a couple of lanes of lights where the bats were just constant. I think at one point, like, six like, foop, foo, 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 right over my head because they're clearly just gobbling up the insects who are coming toward the lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was another just like that was a cool animal sighting. Uh, obviously a big fan of bats in their many forms in pop culture. Uh, and this is a thing like I've joked about and thought about a lot of like bats are one of the most sort of misconstrued by popular culture like they are the an animal of terror a creature of the night and like to just see these like they have no interest in me they're not gonna attack my hair just like they're just like they're just like zipping as fast as possible down insect buffet lane just gobbling (laughs) things up just trying to get by like so so very little to be frightened of in this context Mm -hmm. that that was like a really great animal experience because like i do love them i'm fascinated about them i love them as scary creatures of the night in our weird imagination and it was great to see them of like they're bats and I got nothing to be afraid of
0: yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah
1: yeah so I wanted to share my bad experience as a way to segue into our animal experience in general so we uh, ended up seeing a lot of animals we saw squirrels uh, birds chipmunks deers uh deers deer bats uh and we also did get to see a bear which animals affected you the most and why Mm. Oh, pikas too. I forgot about the pika.
0: Yeah, and a marmot. A uh, pika in a marmot. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of animals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say. I mean, I and just in terms of like enjoyment, I loved seeing just the little the you know chipmunks and pika. I think kind of scurry through the rock and they would suddenly be on the top and then they'd be on the bottom because there's some like secret passageway through the rock that they know about
1: or fallen trees that are clearly their homes now yeah yeah
0: yeah but i was um i i think for me it is really i was very happy to see a marmot because they get talked about uh because i did do a little bit of prep before we went on the trip um and reading and and they get talked about a lot uh in that and so i was like oh well cool and we just randomly saw one scurrying down a fallen log so that was really fun but for me it's really it was the both the deer and the bear um so the deer if i may yeah please uh i saw and i don't think you did i think Mm-mm. you were too far away so we were on one of our hiking loops and just kind of taking in the trees around us the scenery around us
1: much more natural area totally loose dirt path mm-hmm. yeah yeah a little bit more remote
0: yep and um and I theres you know it's so fun with the sounds because you'll hear this giant rustling and it'll be you know an ant <laughs> <laughs> or a bird and i I think I was actually looking at some of the birds um and then realized that there is a little hollow, so we were kind of hiking it was up and down a, a hill and there's a little valley in the middle, and in this area there's a little hollow with some Little shoots and rocks. And as I was looking with the binoculars, uh, trying to find the bird that had flown away and proving that I was not yet skilled at using binoculars uh, <laughs> because I could not find the thing I was looking for. But I suddenly was like, wait a second, that's a deer butt.
1: <laughs> you saw the deer butt through the binoculars? Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. So that's
0: how I saw them is because they were really blended in. And then I didn't want to move. And and gestured to you, and I—I I don't I don't think you knew what it was. So for all you knew, it was a bear that I'd seen. Then I would have been like, "Come slowly." But so as a what I shall say—I don't know for sure—mama deer and a little baby deer, definitely a, a little one, just you know, gnawing away on some green stuff. And I—I I mean, I know deer are around. Uh, you know, my parents get deer in their yard. Uh, Probably not an exciting thing for them, but to me, part of what was exciting about it was that it kind of felt like, okay, we're experiencing nature, we're, we're going on this trail, and we are being unobtrusive enough that they felt safe being in their space. Right. And I think that is what was the really powerful thing about it. It wasn't, like, I've seen plenty of deer, I uh, even see deer occasionally, very occasionally at work, um, but to feel like, oh they're here, we're here, we haven't disturbed them. So far, they're just kind of paying us no notice. But we're fairly far away and trying to be quiet to not disturb them and to to actually experience that and not just be like, oh, be quiet and, you know, be respectful of nature and you might get to see some big animals, uh, but to have that actually happen. yeah, And then to have it be deer, so totally felt safe far away we were not between the mother and the baby like you know all those things so it didn't feel at all scary it just felt like a cool safe nature experience
1: yeah that's great yeah and i think i wonder if that was at all heightened by that um part of the woods while you were looking through your binoculars uh i was looking at some of the fire damage because that part of the loop had been had had some fires both Mm -hmm. some controlled burns from the park rangers and some you know actual fire mm-hmm. uh, and I was at the same time that you were looking at the deer the reason I wasn't with you is I was taking pictures of this sequoia that I think was still alive but uh, had been burned quite badly so it looked like uh just a fantasy villain's dark castle on a on a hill it was so beautiful and so weird so then when i was kind of like trying to take picture of that and kind of fantas uh, just fascinated by this thing that looked entirely dead but i knew was still alive <laughs> and then you were just down the slope at this much more verdant part of the forest full of life and deer happily nibbling away mm-hmm. this is great contrast
0: yeah yeah that's true
1: yeah uh, and then, if I may, our bear. Please do. Look, I was very excited to see uh, the the squirrels, the chipmunks, the pika. <laughs> uh, that uh, we kind of went through the list when we were getting ready to leave. And, like, we well, we saw it all except for a bear, which is probably fine. Because there's so much. Like, Be on the lookout. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with them. <laughs> bear aware. Here's what to do. Be bear aware uh, that I thought, oh, that that's probably fine because it would probably be a A uh, nerve wracking situation in which we might see a bear Mm -hmm. like on Sunset Rock when I close my eyes like that was like, I hope a bear doesn't just come up and push me off the rock. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we are winding our way, uh, getting ready to leave the park, winding through these uh, twisty switchback mountain roads and uh, go around a bend in I would know about maybe 40 feet down the road. There's a bear kind of standing in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. And I stopped, and I was like, "Said to you, camera, camera, camera." <laughs> and you got a nice shot of the bear. And I realized I could. The bear was totally unaffected by us. Didn't seem to perceive us at all. It was just kind of like. Kind of standing in the middle of the road, just kind of looking around, like, what's next? Like, it just got up from a nap, and was trying to decide (laughs) what the bear wants to do with its day. And then I realized, I'm right around the bend. I'm going to get Mm. rear-ended. So I looked up in the rearview mirror and saw that a car was very slowly coming around the bend and realized, like, okay, I have to go forward. So I went forward very slowly. And then the bear kind of looked up at the car and, and, like, had an energy, like, oh, oh, sorry. Didn't, oh, is this a road? (laughs) <laughs> it kind of looked like the car like oh right got got to get a move on and just kind of hustled across the road and disappeared down the mountain like yeah. very much down a slope i just like oh right right mm-hmm. <laughs> like the bear had its own interpretive panel about watch out for cars be car aware and the bear was like oh right <laughs> be car aware but it was just it was it was so great because it wasn't anything threatening it wasn't anything scary or bad for us or the bear mm-hmm. i don't think because i'm sure the bears are used to it uh, and it was just such a casual like, oh right, my bad. <laughs> Got to get out of the road.
0: <laughs> they warned me about these roads. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, that was fantastic, and uh, you handled it very well.
1: Oh, good, good, and thank you for taking the photo of the bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also encountered a few of the animals known as human beings. Uh, while we were in the park, <laughs> uh, park rangers, uh, other park visitors, certainly, uh, people who are not park rangers but you know work at the stores, the restaurants, the gift shops. Uh, did you have a favorite human? interaction, or overhearing?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, no, I would just say it was really fun, especially when we were on the uh, the trails that were a little bit further off um, the beaten path. You know, we didn't go on any of the big, like, seven-hour hikes or four-day hikes.
1: Like a mile and a half <laughs> was our limit.
0: Yeah, we went on the shorter ones. But the just the nice little interactions with other people that we would see who were going the other way, I would be like, oh... You know, like the people who were like, oh, the rock's close. And then when we were walking down, some people asked us how far it was. Yeah. And so to be able to kind of be part of that cycle. Yeah. And that was really great. And and one that was really fun is when we were doing the loop um, that ended up seeing the, the burned trees and the deer and everything. Uh, Hiker was coming the other way and clearly just like wanted to impart some things that he had seen and was like oh i saw some berries don't know what they are you know i wish i did but and you guys know and we're like no we we don't know and so we (laughs) do not touch them uh and was like oh i think i saw a dogwood tree about to bloom it had all these great little insights and i just like i I was trying racking my brain trying to be like what would be a cool insight to give like i felt like i was like it was a a sharing experience and i was letting down my part of the sharing you know like like, we were trading. I felt like we were trading with our neighbor, and I didn't have anything to trade.
1: <laughs> oh, but, yeah.
0: But I think we, but we had a very nice interaction anyway. So that was actually maybe one of my favorites of just having, you know, you never know what the interactions are going to be like between people. And not knowing how crowded things would be. So that was, I would say, um, those are some of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I think that one was pretty great because that was... um that was probably the the place that we went where the the trail was it was definitely marked it was definitely a trail um but yeah the the dirt was so loose it was not super well traveled mm-hmm. um and that just utter silence right that we could stop and just be like you would hear like one bird and i felt it made me feel so sorry for city birds who have to scream over all the other noise. And this one bird, (laughs) whatever that bird's yelling about, either like, you know, uh, baby birds come home or I'm looking for a mate or whatever that bird was singing about was, that was the only thing you could hear. And it felt like so weird. So then within that to see that, no, but we, but this is a path made by humans Mm -hmm. in a national park that is maintained by humans. We are still in society Mm -hmm. to feel so out of society. And then this, uh, nice, you know, fellow hiker, drowned the bend and you're suddenly back in society for a minute. Yeah. Um, and I think a thing for me uh, about this trip was, uh, I want to be very clear about the way I say this, the National Park was very, very uh, firm about masks and spaces. Mm-hmm. They were very, they held people outside of like the gift shops and like six people allowed, period. Mm-hmm. So like any place where the virus was a concern, it was mandated extremely well. And then the rest of the time you were in a vast national park, far, far away from humans. So I kind of felt like I was taking a break from the stress, the day to day stress Mm -hmm. of the virus and the day to day. Which places are going to be firm about masks and which places aren't and who's vaccinated and who isn't. Um, And so we talked to this this, uh, gentleman for a moment and then I asked him to take our picture. And he's like, I'm vaccinated, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like, well, we yeah. are too, you know, and it, so that was a, like a just a really nice human interaction.
0: Yeah, wasn't it? I know, I really enjoyed that.
1: Okay, excellent. Um, I think the other, my other favorite uh, human interaction overhearing was uh, there, the first night we went uh, with masks into uh, the little uh, restaurant that was that's only doing takeout. Uh, you can you can sit there uh, but you still get the food to go mm-hmm. in a to go box uh, so they can decrease the amount of interaction a uh, young man uh, who claimed that he had lived there and by there I don't know if he meant literally inside the national park uh, or in the environment surrounding it yeah. his whole life and was like handing out it, like every person is like, what would you like to order? And uh, what can I tell you about the national park? Like he was clearly like, <laughs> uh, I serve pizza, sandwiches and uh, interpretive information, even though I'm not <laughs> a national park ranger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then the the woman in front of us ordered a beer and he took her ID. Great. He looked at her ID. And then he looked at her and said, you were born the day my father died. <laughs> it was the perfect just sort of like yep that's uh that's the weirdness of human society uh right. intruding on the nature of the big trees and the stars in the sky and the woman was like oh oh he said it in a way, almost like this weird way like like ah you're the one who did it you know, because for somebody to leave, someone else must come. So, yeah, I guess you're the one who pushed my dad out of this mortal realm by being born on the same day. It was really weird and kind of delightful.
0: Yeah, I I did not hear this. I wish I had. And I'm sure it made even more weird by um, everybody wearing masks. So you have to take all interpretation just from people's eyes and foreheads.
1: Right. <laughs> I got to read this person's forehead and see what was going on. <laughs> uh, so we also took a lot of photos. Um Yes, we I think did. in this, this conversation is kind of helped me with that. Part of it is just like you want to remember it. You know, there's those photos of the vistas. Like they're not going to capture it. But if there's something in particular you see that's inspiring, you want to remember it. Uh, there's that. There's just kind of the um, sense of play. I think that's like when we're up on Sunset Rock, we, you know, kind of came up with like, what do we want to do? Because th- I think those spaces kind of unlock a little bit of a sense of play and creativity. Mm-hmm. So that those things are fun. But as it went on. You know, this is such a sort of um, for me, from my perception, a traditional vacation of, you know, a family for us, a family of two go to a national park and then they come back with their slides and they force their <laughs> friends to watch the whole slideshow, whether they're interested or not, whether the photos are good or not. Like, here's a picture of a big tree that is not at all captured by the photo. And also my thumb is in it. Too bad. you're gonna look at my vacation slides Mm
0: -hmm. stay sitting down
1: (laughs) uh if you could do that if you could show your vacation slides uh to people is that something that you would want to do like we don't we kind of do it on social media these days but if it really was like let me uh, load them up and i'll use the clicker and we brought a screen and you're gonna sit here and you're gonna watch my vacation slides
0: i mean there's a part of it that does I mean, I think it has that nostalgia, right? Like if that were a thing that we did and we had a group of like, you know, a small group of friends that were like, yeah, this is what we do is we all get together after somebody's gone somewhere. and We look at each other's slides and it's in a sunken living room and we have good <laughs> snacks. Yeah, I would totally do it.
1: There's shag carpeting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I'm I'm all in. I just want the entire ambiance there.
1: You want the entire ambiance, yeah yep. if every vacation I take I could uh transition back into reality by going to a seventies living room right <laughs> forcing a collection of friends to look at my vacation photos, yeah,
0: yeah, but if it were like part of the ritual and i would I would edit uh a little bit maybe oh, yeah. wouldn't have taken as many if I were using slide film as with a phone
1: yeah um, because I think I took around 800 photos
0: <laughs> yeah I'm probably pretty close up there and you know you walk towards something you think that you don't know when you're going to be at the right place to get the photos so you end up with 25 photos when you really only needed one yeah or two
1: yeah so I would edit down from 800
0: yeah to like a hundred <laughs> Yeah. Well, each I, of us. I, maybe 42 <laughs> each. I think we
1: could do uh, 42 each. Yeah. I think, w- what do you think that instinct is? Like, I mean, it's an old joke to to be the, like, share somebody else's vacation slides. I, and I think the, jo- and the joke is that like, that's boring mm-hmm. to see somebody else's slides. But I think there's this instinct to be like, I went through this experience uh, and I deeply want to share it with people. It's almost like the opposite of what I was banging on about at the top of the podcast about... The sort of um, how, how much we can get kind of trapped in the machinery of our human society and then need this connection to nature to be to get perspective and take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And then it's weird. Like you like I got this pers- perspective. I took a deep breath. Now I want to go back into my society with its rules and its structures. <laughs> and I want to present that somehow to my friends. Yeah. And then that question of do you it, Slideshows are great if you took great photos and you can express in a way that isn't just about you, right? If you mm-hmm. can make it not just about you, but like, I mean, that's what storytelling is. Of Here's something I saw, I feel experienced, I imagined, and now I share it in a way that is illuminating to other human beings. So if you could do that, it would be amazing. But the yeah. risk is that you don't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I, I have uh, so many thoughts competing right now. Um, one is, I think part of it is like, so especially if you have a group of people that you do this with or that you, spend you know like say you've got your your neighbors that you play bridge with because we are truly <laughs> going into the 70s right now um you know and you're you, worried about the oil crisis exactly and you mow each other's lawns and don't water each other's drought tolerant gardens and all of that uh share each other's compost bins um so you've got people that you have you experience some part of life with so then you've gone off and had this other experience so you kind of want to share with them the experience that you've had. So I get it from that perspective um, of like sharing, sharing a thing that you've had that maybe has changed you, maybe is just really interesting. You know, you're going to talk about it a lot. So maybe be good if they have some base knowledge. Um, then I was going to add the side note that I would be happy to see your size because I know that you take interesting pictures because uh, you, being a comedy person, are often looking for the comedy as well as the beauty. So there's going to be, it's not going to be 40 pictures of the same tree and two pictures of your thumb. There's going to be some <laughs> fun, like, interesting signs and things in there. But then I love what you're saying right now. What if that were the challenge? You were like, okay, take your pictures of your trip, but then you have to you have to tell it as a story, not of like, and then we went here, and then we went here. But what's the what is the story that you're telling with your 42 photos? And, you know, who's the perspective character? What are the things that happen? Like, what is that short story that you have to create in order to share these photos? Yeah. And wouldn't that be fun?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, social media in some ways is the modern version of this. And sometimes people engage and sometimes people don't. And and, you know, even on social media, there's the the humble brag or just brag <laughs> uh, tweets about or posts about I went to a cool place. And I think that's the really interesting thing about how you how you shape sharing that is do you you don't want to just make people feel like, hey, we found time and had access <laughs> and opportunity. And I had this beautiful experience. Hope you had a good time at stressful work, <laughs> right work week, you know, like. But to somehow make it about the person you're talking to as well as about yourself that you're not mm-hmm. just telling them a thing that you did but you're somehow sharing it as a human experience that's you know makes it about the person you're talking to as well yeah yeah okay all right well here's a here's a good challenge
0: time to find a sunken living room
1: <laughs> on the search for sunken living rooms I have just a couple other questions for you if you could be a big tree for a while uh, what would be fun about that to you <laughs>
0: um wow so many things uh getting to truly experience life from the perspective of you don't move uh that would be that would be pretty cool getting a chance to see what life sounds like from inside a big tree like i think that would be kind of interesting um finding out how much it hurts when people walk on your roots (laughs) uh yeah i would i would love that experience yeah yeah
1: Yeah. I mean, the um, the ranger that we got lucky to see doing the presentation at General Sherman, which is clearly the most just like they've built it up in a really nice way to be very accessible. Mm -hmm. It is like the most tourist. It's a tourist attraction and it's built up that way in ways that are very friendly and safe to the tree and and all that. Uh, So we were lucky to be there at the time where a ranger. I don't know if it's on the hours. I didn't see a schedule anywhere. Uh, But yeah, she did a great job of framing her whole. Uh, spiel uh, her whole interpretation from the perspective of what would you need if you were just in one place, you know, mm-hmm. including, you know, some good, good jokes about all the things that people have shouted out, including <laughs> the complete uh, Gilligan's Island is uh, what mm-hmm. one person would need if they were a tree. Uh, but that really, that was really great. It really, she used it as a way into what does a tree need to survive? What is our uh, responsibility to help the tree with? And what is our responsibility to leave the tree alone and let it? do its process uh but for me that really fired my imagination of like what all has this tree seen in a herd
0: Mm -hmm. and i think
1: for me that was the fascinating thing of what sounds fun about being a big tree is basically being you know nature's perfect eavesdropper particularly (laughs) if you're like a big tourist one right because the, the collection of people from based on the languages we're hearing all over the world right um, in different levels of interest of clearly, like uh, I n- not I snap judgment, so maybe I'm wrong, but definitely some just straight up mansplainers, some uh disaffected youth, uh, as I was uh, saying, uh, some people who are like clearly sort of a uh, nature aficionados who who seem to have like some reverence. So there's like very interesting cross section of people from places and attitudes. That was one of the great things we overheard is an older gentleman saying that they that his wife head and he had come there for their honeymoon 41 years ago.
0: Oh yeah. And hadn't
1: been back since mm-hmm. and talk about measuring time. So I just feel like if you were a tree, uh, it's particularly a, a popular one. <laughs> if you were a popular tree, <laughs> um, you would get to hear just these snippets of people's lives. And it's something I'm so fascinated with uh, just hearing snippets mm-hmm. because um, I, anyway, narrative, we're, we are obsessed with narrative that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if you show people a narrative that's just a snippet, it, it the, off, the reaction is often like that's bad writing. Writing should have resolution. But there's something to me that's so real about you just hear a snippet. And that's a story of an, in and of itself of you don't know anything but that 10 minutes of those people's existence. Mm-hmm. Is in some ways like a more realistic way of how we interact with one another as humans.
0: Mm, and yeah. it is a
1: tree to just be able to get that narrative of like, what is the kind of the the shape of your day? Does your shape have a narrative when it's just constructed by snippets, yeah, of interactions, not even interactions, eavesdroppings?
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, trees as the great eavesdroppers.
1: The great eavesdroppers. Uh, during the trip, you and I talked about the journey versus the destination. And how different parts of our our vacation, which parts felt like a journey, <laughs> 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 and that the goal was the journey and which parts were uh, felt like the destination. Like this hike is beautiful, but we are hiking to a spot mm-hmm. Um, for you. It, ultimately, is looking at big trees a journey or a destination?
0: Mm, both. Because <laughs> I was going to say journey because I think it is the journey. But I feel like they're also um, no. I'm. I think I'm going to stick with just with. Uh, excuse me, with journey because um, I think actually making it and seeing the big trees is like a signpost. Is you you drop drop a Google pin <laughs> on your journey and and that is a a marker of significance that it actually happened. But I feel like my journey for seeing big trees is ongoing. It's not done. <laughs> and uh so I feel like it is it is a journey. Yeah. I think both me.
1: was a good, good, honest answer because I think I felt that obviously going from our uh one bedroom apartment to a giant national forest full of <laughs> bears and bats and big trees, uh, we had to journey and we got to a destination and it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we had some of our days, and I always feel this tension on a vacation, right? Like, for me, this vacation was uh, uh, emotionally restorative and physically exhausting, right? Like, uh, on just a physical level. Mm. <laughs> uh, a, that was a lot of hiking. My legs hurt, and, mm. I, it was, and the sun was bright, and I felt like I would like three days to vacation from this vacation <laughs> on a physical level. Uh, But there's always that tension for me with vacations about do you want a vacation where you go and do, 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 and you see and you experience? And there were moments for me of our vacation was like we picked that we are going to see this thing on this trail. So we are literally going to a destination. And then I found myself really craving a journey, which for me is just picking a beautiful place and being there. Mm -hmm. And that a part of the power of something like this is to make sure that you have time to just be. Uh, And there was the one trail that was very much uh, nature, the big tree trail. Mm -hmm. It's about a mile around this meadow uh, where the meadow is too wet for the sequoias to grow as one of the best interpretive panels said, too wet. (laughs) Uh, So you have this beautiful meadow, but then surrounded everywhere by these massive sequoias with their individual personality fire scars. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had gone on that and that was like a lovely walk and we took us, it was a mile and it took us, I think, like two and a half hours because we took so many photos. And that. But then on our last day there, as you know, uh, I really just like I want a time to just sit and think about a creative uh, idea, mm-hmm. you know, a, a screenplay I want to work on that is like that is all I can work on it here, but there are so many sudden turns and red lights that you get distracted by. And what you need sometimes is just flow, especially when you're at like the outline phase where you're just like, how does this beat lead to this beat? And I know the character is challenged by this emotionally, but how is that going to be expressed in action? And there's kind of like, there, there's so much ideas that uh, are journey that like, Mm -hmm. you just want to flow from point a to point B. And it's so much easier to do when you're just sitting there in nature And the only interruption is maybe if a tree needs or uh, the tree is creaking, or a a bird needs to yell for food. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that part really felt like journey, yeah, to me. Of just like, just wanna, just wanna. I'm not trying to get anywhere in particular. I'm just existing in this space.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Excellent. Uh, can you make a noise to sum up your interest level in our big trees adventure? <laughs> did we fall off uh, the mountain at the it end? It sounded there? a little bit like we did.
0: <laughs> um, I, but really, what it is, is it's just that we were going around the curve of the mountain, and so it was harder for the people far away to hear. Oh, fair our enough. Our ongoing joy.
1: Fair enough. I don't always make noises, but I want to share one. Are right, ready? Yeah. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about that noise
1: <laughs> Yeah, so we had stopped, as you know, at this uh, vista overlook When we were winding our, our way back from, from one place to the other On uh, the main uh, road And we there were a couple signs and a couple warnings Like, hey, by the way, if you hear crack It might be the roots of a giant tree giving away underneath the ground So just run in whatever direction you feel <laughs> is best <laughs> uh, So we kind of knew that that sound was a tree somewhere in that vast forest that we were overlooking giving way and it was that huge crack that echoed through the mountains and then how long how long do you think between the crack and the boom
0: oh a while um i mean seconds not like an hour but um i would say like a good 10 seconds 10 seconds yeah
1: but it was just so powerful because it was just echoing up and it was that sense of like there's a whole other world down there and something big just happened in it um but then also again for me i just need to own that i can't process things outside of pop culture like if that was in a comic book it would be written out accurately is crack and boom it was just like (laughs) (laughs) expected those giant words to float up (laughs) over the uh the tree covered uh mountains because it was so accurately crack and boom
0: yeah and then you kind of expect the next panel to be Zooming in on where it happened to see what happened. But we have no idea where it happened. And who knows if people were near it or not. It might be in one of the parts of the forest that was a little bit more dense and didn't have people near it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who knows?
0: Who knows?
1: Uh, So let's rate the obsession level on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, How obsessed are you with our big tree adventure or big trees in general?
0: Oh, very, very high. I'm going to give myself like a... Right now, having just come off the chip, I'm going to go as high as a nine.
1: Wow. But I'm going
0: to say in general, I'm at an eight.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, right now I'm I'm at a, a 9.5 because it's it's really on my mind. I still got to delete some of those photos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. There's a lot uh, still uh, to process about the trip and that question of like, how much can you take some of the peace that you got from the trip back into day-to-day life, all mm-hmm. that. Um. Yeah. But I think I think it will remain like around a six, you know, because it's definitely that experience made me go, ooh, I want to be a national park nerd. I want to go to lots of different national parks. But then also just like but I also just want to go back to exactly the places we went. <laughs> <laughs> so which is it going to be? So I'm just going to be obsessed about that. Of When we can vacation again, do we go to a different national park? Do we, do we go back to the same place? All right. To see if we can find that bear again.
0: All the questions.
1: All right, let's move on to some uh, plugs for the show before our final questions. Uh, Where do you want to be found on social media?
0: Well, you can find, uh, so far, only one photo from our trip on Instagram at Scrim Street.
1: (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And there will be many more uh, on my social media. I I think I'm good for uh, Flashback Friday, Throwback Thursday for about 100 years. Uh, I'll be (laughs) probably featuring some of those fun photos for me. If you want to see any of those, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash Scrimshaw. And if you are in uh, California, uh, just another reminder about this extremely important recall election happening on September 14th. A ballot should have been mailed to anybody who lives in uh, California and is eligible to vote. uh, So you have that ballot. Otherwise, I think early voting is opening up now. Mm -hmm. So check all that out. We are going to wrap up our podcast, as we always do, with some fun final questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you were a cartoon character who could be comically injured but not killed, what would you do with that power?
0: Ooh, um, not run when the tree fell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think when I heard that crack and boom, I would have just jumped off the vista and gone racing around to see uh, if I could find it, uh-huh. and I would have fallen down the mountain and there would have been you know uh birds tweeting around my head and stars uh but i would have lived yeah (laughs) if you could be friends with a wild animal what uh, wild animal do you want to be friends with
0: Ooh, a whale
1: (laughs) that came out pretty fast you've been thinking about whales
0: uh i i was in the split second before you asked me the question and and i'm open to what what type of whale i know there's lots of whales out there
1: okay that's really nice that you walk into uh the whale friend store and say I'm open Mm -hmm. I'll be friends with any of these whales final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness
0: Mm, well how can I not say it this time happiness is sitting on a bench surrounded by trees looking up at the stars in the sky
1: that is absolutely wonderful and I can verify that was happiness for us (laughs) uh, on our big tree adventure thank you all so much for listening that is our podcast
0: you've been to obsessed Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest rate five stars if you're impressed
1: so one other thing I did want to share is that I do feel like uh, whoever wrote the interpretive panels because they all seemed relatively recent that they had been sort of a uh, refurbished right uh, just on- honestly like the physical wear and tear the style of the language the perspective that they' were speaking from all felt relatively recent and uh you and I have both worked in history. We have both read many in interpretive panel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've written some interpretive history. Uh, I think someone had a, like a really great sense of humor uh, and it really helped me out. Uh, I was talking about when we first saw the general Sherman tree and I was kind of processing it all and I took a selfie and like the light was just, it wasn't right. I take enough selfies. It wasn't great. I was tired and I felt like, eh, I don't look my best. You know, maybe I put a little bit of weight on in my face. You know, maybe I'm looking old. Uh, And I was like, I I don't want, this is, this vacation is about letting go of some of that, those kinds of concerns and just being at peace. Uh, And then it helped me so much. I looked at one of the interpretive panels, giving the basic history of the sequoias, that they were uh, very large, very old trees. And right after I took this selfie and was like, let's just let go of some of those unimportant, overly critical thoughts. The title of that interpretive panel about the Sequoias was, Why So Big and So Old? (laughs) (laughs) It was just the perfect laugh I needed uh, to let go of those uh, critical thoughts.
0: That is beautiful.